Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, February 28th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Is this a leap year, or are we done with the month after today? Um, Let's see. It is a leap year. We have February 29th coming up tomorrow. Wow. Congrats to all those leap year babies. I know you get birthdays like once every four years. I've always... Re- thought about that as a kid i was like that shit must really suck um but that is interesting so we have an extra day does that affect our paycheck at all do we get paid um why would we not i don't know because it's not the end of the month i know it's the last friday well but the the end of the month happens during the weekend still right so yeah you'll get paid today that's good you should have already gotten paid i think uh, yeah, just haven't checked yet. Then leap year doesn't bother me. Would have bugged me if that were, the, <laughs> that were the opposite. But the uh, we're airing out some HR conversations on the podcast off to yeah, a roaring start. I love it exactly. So uh, anyway, it is the people's holiday mailbag. Friday is back. We've got I don't know 10, 11 questions to go through from Twitter. I think I got a few other from other avenues, and then we'll get into some. Probably some basketball, I guess, and then baseball. By the time most of you listen to this, baseball will likely be underway or have already played their first game at High Point today there in the Keith LeClaire Classic and Greenville, North Carolina. Making sure I didn't screw that up because you're Greenville, South Carolina, right? Yep, and they are a pretty significant difference apart. Greenville, North Carolina, that's a beautiful part of the country up there, too. Not a bad place to go to school. Your Greenville's a lot bigger, right? It is, yeah. yeah my uh, my Greenville is is passing Buffalo, Milwaukee, and New Orleans as far as like a media market. Really? Yeah, but hey, why no professional sports teams? Part of it is it, it, the growth is so new. It, it has happened so recently, like within the last 10, 15 years or so. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. The media market has not at all caught up with the size of the place. Like there's. There's one sports radio station, and they syndicate most of their programming. Like, like it's just it is not they, – they don't treat it like the market size that it is at all. And they could support – I think the first thing they would do is get a high-level soccer team. That would be my – because they have two minor league teams right now that do really well. They have two minor league soccer teams. Explain that to me. Why do you need – why two? Because they uh, basically started at the same time. So two groups of people still like – I guess, started an expansion team for one of these lower-level soccer leagues at the same time, basically. So they didn't know the other one was doing it, and it was like, hey, we've got a soccer team. And it was like, oh, shit, we are also starting a soccer team. And they play in different leagues. It doesn't make any sense. I I don't even – soccer is a foreign language to me. Like, I try to pay attention to the national team, but, like, the the Bundesliga versus the Champions League and the Premier League and all this crap, I, I, I don't follow it. I try to at least know, and I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Interesting. So Ole Miss up there, they play high point today. Ole Miss did not flip its rotation at all, and the reason I say that is because 
you had East Carolina on Saturday and Indiana on Sunday with high points today. Maybe you throw Doug against East Carolina. Maybe you know with Indiana, which is an okay program, kind of gave LSU all they wanted opening weekend, and but dropped two out of three. Uh, probably not the same since Lamonis left. But anyway, I, I just figured they might flip it. They are not. So you've got Gunnar Hoagland. Does he do that against, often? I know he's done it once before that I remember, and it didn't go well in a regional. I honestly, I don't, I don't remember enough about these round robins because Mike doesn't play in these frequently enough. Like the one he played in Houston with the 17 team, all three of those teams they played were good, so there was no reason to. Like, no, I don't know a ton about High Point. I know they got a pretty decent right hander they're going to throw today. But, like, like you get what I'm saying. Like, not that High Point sucks, but, like, when your marquee matchup of the weekend is the, sec- is the second game or the third game, like, Mike doesn't have a ton of precedent with that, at least not since I've been around the program. So I don't really know. Uh, I don't think so. Like, I can't ever remember a time he's done that, particularly in the regular season. Because uh, obviously postseason a little bit different, so no, I don't think it's a huge deal either. I mean, no, I'm, I'm interested to see what Hoagland can do. Um, well, I mean, I, he pitched against Louisville and they won the game, so maybe this is a dumb sentiment, but see if he can do it again. Um, you mentioned after that series, uh, you think that they should be able to go deeper. Well, this is a really good uh, final real challenge for him before SEC play begins. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I was about to go exactly down that same road. Since they're not flipping the rotation, it's kind of all eyes on Gunnar Hoagland tomorrow against East Carolina. And yes, he pitched pretty well against Louisville. They won the game, but that kind of turned into more of a back and forth. I mean, 8-6 is at slugfest territory, but it wasn't a defensive game. And it wasn't one of those, hey, please, let's ride this kid for six and two thirds. And then let's win a tight one late. That's just not really how the game went. So... Exactly as you were saying, I am kind of interested to see how this goes. I am not sure. I'm going to double-check Ole Miss's game notes to see who East Carolina is throwing. They're throwing Tyler Smith. So it also appears they're not flipping the rotation. But point being, they're both teams 7-1. It's two top 20 programs. Like I, I want to see if Hoagland, like if this turns into a you know 3-2 game, can Hoagland kind of carry them into the 6, set them up to where they don't have to obviously just kind of really crush their bullpen because I can't imagine them having a ton of trouble today and then see how that goes. It'd be really the first time you've kind of seen Hoagland that I can think of outside of a couple games in Hoover or a gamer in Hoover where it's kind of like, hey, we need you to really go and, and, and carry us on your back. So that's really what not flipping the rotation kind of set that up to be. As far as high point today, they're throwing right-hander Harrison Smith. So Ole Miss is going to face a hot Tyler Smith and a Harrison Smith. Uh, Indiana is TBA on Sunday. If they don't throw some kid named like Tanner Smith, then what the hell are we even doing? But <laughs> high, high point, uh, kids, like, well, he's 2-0 and with like a sub-1 ERA through seven innings of shutout baseball against Lafayette College, which I think we discussed on the radio show on Tuesday, Wednesday. Obviously, not ULL, just Lafayette College. I think Richard actually blurted out Ivy League. I don't think – is that right? I don't think they're an Ivy League school. I think he, I think he just kind of said that. Um, yeah, well, Richard sometimes can be an idiot. Um, well, am I right? I, I'm, I, I think I know all the schools in Ivy, right? Lafayette is not in there. And I, I guarantee they don't pronounce it Lafayette. Um, it's a private liberal arts college in Easton, Pennsylvania with a small satellite campus in New York City. 
So it doesn't say anything about the Ivy League, and I'll pull up the Ivy League right now. And <laughs> it is not not one of them. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway. So that's, <laughs> he just made that up. <laughs> yeah, but everyone just kind of let it start. Start with Cornell, Harvard, Brown, Yale, Columbia, Princeton, and University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. So, I, anyway, yeah, whatever. If, I guess they're Ivy League <laughs> if you really want it to be. But, Man, anything's Ivy League if you think hard enough. Yeah, I think half of those schools up north that are private and just like prestigious and they have really cool like stone buildings. They're like, well, we were once in the Ivy League and I, no one's going to challenge them on it. So, did you know Harvard's first name was New College in 1636? No, I did not. But we didn't even have a country then, did we? Like, that was still a British deal. Yeah, you can go to the New College. All right. That's interesting. I'd rather go to the old one, but that's just, that's just me. I wonder what college in 16, 1630, you said? 1636. Uh, I wonder if they still had toga parties. Anyway... We've come full circle, by the way, because I bet back then they thought the Earth was flat, and now everybody thinks the Earth is flat. Wait, we got more flat Earth deals? Man, we always have more flat Earth deals. There was that uh, that daredevil that built his own rocket to fly into space to prove to everyone that the Earth was flat. The rocket uh, didn't go that high, and he couldn't deploy his parachutes, and it actually, may he rest in peace, it killed him. Um, but yeah, there's still flat earthers out there. Okay, that's interesting. Do we have a mailbag question about that? If we didn't, I'm going to be disappointed. So this guy just shot a rocket up into space, or tried like a, a so he never got into in. space. Oh god, he didn't even come close. I mean, like he built it in his backyard uh, to prove the Earth was flat. And when it launched, like you could see one of the parachutes like just come out of the back of it already. And it didn't get all that high, and it like lost its boost and just came down, and that was it. Yikes! This guy's like a Kmart Elon Musk. Yeah, and uh, he was off to prove the Earth was flat, and uh, we'll never know now. Jeez. Anyway, I, that's enough about High Point and people thinking the Earth's flat. Let's go to the <laughs> mailbag questions. I'm sure we'll be led into baseball some through those, though. I haven't looked. At all of them, but here we go. Start from the bottom up. Who are your top four candidates for SEC conference expansion? Is this on the table? Have I missed anything? I don't. Um, think it's SEC- just a conversation that people like enjoy talking about because I think it's inevitable, and I think most people think it's inevitable. Whether or not it's this year or twenty years from now, there will be another expansion. The the TV situation. It just in general with sports is fascinating to me. Like you have the news yesterday that directly affects me with YouTube TV and Sinclair uh, overpricing the Fox Sports regional networks. And now they don't have uh, YouTube TV and Sinclair couldn't strike a deal. So now you can get the Fox Sports regional networks on like two television providers at all. And the thing is, Sinclair can try to do that. And these services can try to do that, but the only thing that's valuable in television anymore is live sports. And it's going to continue to get that way as Netflix and Disney Plus and NBC is making their own streaming platform. Like, soon there will be no such thing as live TV except for sports, I swear to God. That's interesting. Yeah. 
when you're talking conference expansion, that will be driven by television because attendance, revenue, that'll go down slightly. You've got to make it up somewhere, and the only thing that's valuable in sports is TV. And so if you can expand the SEC by additional markets, whether you add two teams or four teams, that just means that $47 million check that the league gets, which is about to become somewhere in the 60s after the CBS deals renegotiated and finished, uh, will grow even more. So that's why people talk about it is because television drives everything and the more media markets you can get, the more valuable it is. And I think eventually the power five is going to split off from everybody else. And so that, especially in the off season, people like to talk about that. And there's legitimate reasons for it. When you talk about television dollars and just the idea that these conferences want to grow and make more money. So, so if, if you're talking conference expansion and the power five breaking off with itself, then you're not really leeching any other power five schools from other conferences so that's out the window. So in terms of candidates for conference expansion, and I'm just kind of making stuff up off the top of my head here, I'm thinking American Conference. Like, wouldn't Memphis make sense? The only reason why it wouldn't is the SEC is already in Tennessee. So it depends on how you look at it. If you're talking just adding a couple of teams to the SEC, like without breaking off, I think that's going to happen, but that's more of like an idea instead of like what's going to happen in the immediate future. If the SEC were to expand to a 16-team league right now, they absolutely would poach from another conference, and it would not be a team that's already in a state that is in the SEC footprint, if that makes sense. Missouri well, didn't get added. For, so who are the four? Oklahoma would be one, I, I would guess. But, okay, so why were you? Why are we poaching? I'm not. I'm not being a contrarian. Why are we poaching from already Power Five schools? If the premise here is the Power Five is going to break off and it's going to be super conferences. Well, that's. I, I think that's two separate situations happening. So the question is, if the SEC could add teams, where would they take them from? But I, I expanded it to saying I think the Power Five is going to break off eventually. But that those are two separate things. Okay. Uh, what would feel more SEC? Because A&M, I would say, has acclimated very well in, like, in terms of just like the big dumb brain eye test where it's kind of like, yeah, A&M feels SEC. Uh, Missouri does not. Like I went to Columbia for the first time this past football season, and it just doesn't. Like, it's, it's, it, like it's, it, it's not a bad place. I actually thought Columbia, Missouri is quite nice, but it just doesn't feel like an SEC place. So I guess what – like I guess Oklahoma would because, you know, good yeah. at football – uh, and every, it would be probably somewhere in North Carolina as well. The only reason why Missouri's in the SEC, like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, it's because of St. Louis and Kansas City. That's why Missouri's in the SEC. The only reason why Missouri's in the SEC. Well, also, didn't they want to go to the Big Ten and it didn't work out? That's Did right. Have, yeah. So, I, well, we've only named one. What are I think it would be more? Oklahoma, uh, either North Carolina, Duke, or NC State. And Virginia or Virginia Tech would be the first three that I would I would guarantee if the SEC wanted to expand, that would be the first three offers, air quotes, out there. Duke would be interesting. I'm sure Vanderbilt would like that because it would be another private school with nerds from the Northeast that don't give a shit about football, so they would probably not feel like the uh, odd man out anymore. <laughs> NC State would be interesting. What was the last one you said? It, uh, I said Oklahoma. One of the three North Carolina schools, I don't think Wake Forest would be viable. So North Carolina, NC State, or Duke, and then one of the Virginias, Virginia or Virginia Tech. 
Hmm. I don't know why, but I would say UVA. But okay, I can get on board with that. I don't even really know where to start, so I'm just gonna go with your four and call it an answer. Let's yeah, I think see. that's. I mean, the SEC is going to want to expand to at least sixteen, in my opinion. That like Sankey would say, "Oh, we're happy with 14. And some other conferences would have to expand too. I think there's going to be a round of it coming. Um, yeah, I, I this just, guy asked for four candidates, but really we're talking. You're probably only expanding two more, right? I think so. So it's whether or not you decide Oklahoma is worth it or whether or not they would they would leave the Big 12, which I imagine that they probably would. That would be my guess. But you could offer, let's say, North Carolina and Virginia right now, and I think they would go. Interesting. Here's they would another- still be competitive in basketball. Their football programs are good enough, and the money's just substantial. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I just wonder if that happened, what the trickle-down effects would be for the ACC. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It, it We can really go down in the weeds if we want to, but I jokingly said on the radio show a few days ago that the Pac-12 should just dissolve into the other conferences, but, man, the way it's run and the, the just lacking of competitiveness in all facets, I mean, they can't renegotiate their TV deal for another four years, and... You can't find them on TV. You know what I mean? Like, they have a network that nobody can watch. Like, if you live in California, you probably don't get the Pac-12 network. It's an embarrassment at all levels. They're not competitive anymore. The money's not there. They're not structured well enough on the media side to make more money. It's just an embarrassment across the board. Like, thank God for Oregon right now, and then maybe Southern Cal will finally figure it out. Without Oregon, nobody would give a shit. Yeah, Pac-12 is definitely struggling for sure. This next one's probably going to surprise you a bit, but if some guy, a guy asked if you were able to put a GIF on a T-shirt, what a GIF would you choose? I've never actually used a GIF in any form ever. I don't even really know how you do it. Dude, there's a when, when you go to tweet, like go to the top of Twitter, uh huh, and right underneath what's happening, there's a little square that says GIF on it, and you can literally search for whatever gift you want. Oh, so these people that tweet gifts at me all the time are just at people in general. They're not being original. They're just choosing from a field that Twitter has. They're choosing from a Twitter library. Yeah. I'm 100% shocked that there's no originality in this. That's interesting. (laughs) Okay. As far as putting it on a t-shirt, uh, well, Ole Miss should have, I can't believe they haven't. And I, well, actually, yes, I can. I understand why. But the Marshall Henderson jersey pop gif should be on a t shirt. Yeah, I like that one. I'm trying to think of just some random ones I've seen before. Yeah, the, the guy that leans in and like puts his finger on his head, like that, that was smart, that guy. Yeah, that'd be a good t shirt. So you can just type in any word and like the one. Uh, yeah, so just type in like high five. And there's a bunch of gifts of people high-fiving each other. I like the one of Dwayne Way looking really confused. I might the, put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> or uh, I, I forget his name, the NBA player that's sitting there. He's mad he's shaking his head, and then he changes his mind and is like, well. Yeah, what, is that Alonzo Morning? I don't know who I that is. So. I, that's, I think so. I think that's who that is. Miami Heat guy. Yep. I'm scrolling through these right now, so I'm trying to find them. 
like if there are any good ones. There's one that cracks me up, but I don't know what it's in reference to. It's a guy in what appears to be like a navy shirt who's like cross-eyed and just looking around super confused. Anybody time someone tweets someone dumb and someone replies with that, uh, it cracks me up. I don't even really know how to describe this, but you would know what I'm talking about if you saw it. He's cross-eyed looking. I can't tell if that's intentional or not. And then like looks around and then looks up. Oh, uh, that's uh, is that Brian Regan? Uh, how do you spell it? I'm about to look it up right now in live action. Yeah, it's Brian Regan. Um, I probably spelt his name wrong, but just type in Brian yeah, that's R-E-G-A-N. Exactly, that's exactly who it is. <laughs> so that one makes me laugh. I don't, I, what, what, what is that in reference? Like, what is that part of a movie? What is like? What is that? Well, he's a stand-up comic. Okay. So I think that that's probably part of his routine. Gotcha. Well, that one makes me laugh, so I might put that on a t-shirt. But aside from that, I'm not a big GIF user. Uh, I say not a big one. The next one would be my first. So, uh, to each their own, I guess. I just I'm, glad, I'm glad I taught you how to use them, though. Maybe you can uh, you can do it more. I, you can I, go full honest, Red Cup and just tweet GIFs for your baseball game update. The odds of me using a GIF did not go up at all by you showing me how to do it, but I guess the possibility <laughs> or the seed has been planted. Let's see. Here's a here's a, if this guy asks a dumb one that I kind of think is funny, and then actually an interesting one with regards to football. We'll go with the dumb one first, then we'll take a break and uh, go through the second one. Who can run the fastest forty time of the people who cover Ole Miss? I don't know who all covers Ole Miss. Mm, Yancey, but no guarantee it'd be a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. Hmm. See, I, I don't. I haven't met everybody that covers the team. I avoid you idiots like the plague. I, I um, know Neil McCready's a runner. Yeah, I was about to say he's in pretty good shape. I think he's done like half marathons or marathons before. I don't want to sell him short. I don't know which one, but I know he's like run. It's like you can you call that competitive running? My girlfriend's actually running in one of those this weekend. Is that? I mean, if you're running a half marathon, you sign up for a race that's Dude, he does full running, on marathons, right? not just halves. Like he, he does the full 24 or 26. Uh, okay, but that is called competitive running, right? Like, I mean, I know it's like a hobby, but like, I mean, if you're signing up and running that far, uh, in in my opinion, that's competitive running. So he's up there. Uh, but that's endurance, though. Is he built for speed? I mean, but do, when you go by competition, I don't think Ben's very fast. This would have been. <laughs> This would have been settled a lot easier if we'd have played that charity basketball game that caused such a fuss. Oh, uh, right around the this charity time basketball last year. game that was disingenuous from the jump. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was, but uh, that was actually right around this time last year, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't really want to go down that road again. But point being, I don't know what anyone else is. I'll uh, I'll say Neil just because I know he runs. Maybe Ben second. I don't think Chase is very fast, but I don't know. Uh, Probably not putting my money on Chuck. Mm. Never seen Nate or Sus do anything athletic, which that doesn't mean they can't. I just haven't, haven't, haven't ever seen it, like whether it's swing a golf club or anything. So I don't really know. I'm probably not putting money on myself. Have you seen this terrible parody Twitter account of yours, by the way? Yeah, I muted that thing quite a while back. It just, no, you have another one. Not so no, not Brian. No, I I am fully aware. I just it, it grossed me out. Yeah, is that your real phone number in his bio too? I think I'm sure they got it from. I'm sure that's a dog. Actually, creation. I'll check. I won't. I was about to read it, but that would have been a bad idea. Um, let's see if that's your real phone number. 
That is not your real phone number. I have no oh, idea. Oh, no, I could have told you that. Of course, no. <laughs> Let's see what phone number that is. It's a good podcast. It's fine. It's Friday. I muted this guy a while back because it kind of honestly creeps me out. This is why I lock my doors at night. But Yeah, man. It, it's um, That guy's got issues. I mean, that's this is it's not even like a parody account. It's just you are like airing your internal issues on social media <laughs> under the guise of and it's a picture of you that <laughs> that, that I made that he somehow got. So he obviously follows us pretty closely. But, uh, yeah, this is this is something. Yeah. Anyway, so that's about all the airtime I would like to uh, I would like to give that account and the weirdness of it. Internet's a weird place. I imagine I imagine like people that is presumably that guy's allowed to vote like that. That's the part that really freaks me out. So anyway, <laughs> the second one. Yeah. So I, I'll go full rankings here. I'll go Neil, Ben, Chase. Nate looks faster than Sus. Sus by the off chance to listen to this. Sorry, nerd. I just uh, I don't know. Uh, so I'll go Nate, Sus, Chuck at the bottom, and then Yancey. Not sure if he'd finish. I'd smoke uh, all you fools though. Yeah, I'm not putting myself in this. So uh, that's me ruling it out. So that is my power rankings for that. This. Uh, oh, we got to take a break real quick. Remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, Greg has the XFL picks going this weekend. I don't know what's going to happen if he goes four and zero, but if 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 he if he wipes the board clean in the XFL this weekend, then you're I don't even really know what you're doing if you're not going to buy meat from him because uh, it, it it would basically just pay it'd be like paying Lee Sterling or someone like that. You go in and buy a steak and you get free picks. The steak pays for itself. But anyway, University Avenue across from Kroger. They've got steaks, custom cuts, daily specials. He's still got the lane train special going on. Uh, he's got plate lunches, all kinds of stuff. He's got uh, sausages and other things you can go put on the grill at Swayze. He'll probably even give you a tip on how to avoid uh, diseases from the uh, very old grills out in left field at Swayze. But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger, best place in Mississippi to get meat. Okay, the second question this guy asks is, who has more yards this year, Miles Battle or Jonathan Mingo? Ooh. I haven't really seen it with Battle much since two years ago, and that was even a small sample size. I'm just going to go Mingo. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I hear argument either way, but I, I think I'm going to go Mingo because I think he's a little more talented. That haven't seen much uh, from either one yet. Um, and I, I know you don't want to go down this road as much as anybody else wants to hear it again, but we just we didn't get a chance to see what they're actually capable of. Um, they'll need them both to be productive, though. I mean, it's they're going to want to try to throw it around a little bit. It's a balanced offense. I, I saw somebody uh, get clapped back on, if that's what the kids are still saying, by Lane Kiffin, who uh, it was like in the mentions of a Feinbaum tweet about how when Kiffin got to Alabama, they stopped running the football. And Kiffin was like, actually, Derrick Henry led the nation in touches and won the Heisman Trophy when I was the OC. So, um, yikes, that's a rough argument to be making then. Yeah, that's, um, 
can't really respond back to that one. But they're going to try to throw it around a little bit. It's a it's going to be far more balanced than what you saw a year ago. So they need both of those guys. Somebody else besides Elijah Moore to be effective in the pass game. Yeah, and I mean, these are the two most likely, I say most likely candidates. Obviously, Dontario Drummond would be in this category too. There's a couple, but these are two pretty likely candidates. Mingo, a really talented freshman out of Brandon a year ago. And Miles Battle, a kid at the end of 2018, who they preserved his red shirt, but he caught a few passes late in the year. Uh, he was one of the guys that outside of Elijah Moore that seemed to develop a little bit of a chemistry with Matt Corral in the very few games they got to play together at the end of 2018. And like my money would have been on him to actually take a jump this year and obviously never happens. Goes in the transfer portal, pulls himself back out. Like I I I I don't like I know he asked one of the two, but like I'm going across the board here. Like I haven't I mean you haven't seen anything from Gregory that would lead you to believe that that's gonna happen. So I'm gonna go Mingo here just because I saw him a little bit. He looked promising. Uh, but yeah, out of the two, but it, again, it could turn out that neither one of them have that much of an impact. Cause I think you liked what you saw from Dennis and Jaden Jackson this year as well. They have some intriguing options and you don't really know what you have in a ton of them outside of Elijah Moore. So my answer to this is going to be Mingo, but it, it talk about a coin flip. I, I really don't feel great about either one, like in terms of an answer. Yeah, it's just so hard to tell. I, spring practice, even though I don't think you are going to have much access, uh, if any at all, uh, to the actual practices. And I know, and, and I'm with you, I agree with you that these media people that go to practice and write 100 observations about seeing a half hour of stretching and individual drills, like that, that's a, a waste of everybody's time. There's the people that read it. It's a big waste of time. Um, but... If, like, you could see full practices, like some places are allowing now. It's that... tough once you get past camp because you can find some stuff in camp because you're going more and you know less about the team. But once yeah. you get in season and you're practicing, it's kind of like, okay, we kind of know what these dudes are. Or right. if and we don't, not we're doing... not going to find out. <laughs> exactly. But I don't think you're going to even be afforded that opportunity in spring. So um, we'll just have to take their word for it in the, the post-practice media ops to find out who's doing what and, and everything like that because I don't think you're going to get a chance to look at them until the spring game and even then you won't get a good chance to look at them yeah I agree so I I mean it's like last year we, I, I remember writing like you're not going to know what Rich Rodriguez's offense looked like at the spring game uh, it wouldn't have mattered anyway even if you would have gotten a good glimpse into it because no one was around to see it I, I can attest to that there were you know tens of people in the stands but I don't. I think it's how many people show up to the spring game? You think? Oh, it's going to be unrecognizable. I've never covered a spring game where it was like a popular event for people around here. Like I I started covering football in the fall of 2016, so my first spring game would have been Matt. uh, No, I had I did I did one spring game with Hugh Freeze, and then another with Matt. Two more with Matt Luke. So. Point being, I didn't ever cover football in the spring game. It was like a hot commodity. I think it's going to be a bunch of people. It's going to be at night. People are fired up. It's new. It's exciting. There's no bowl ban. Like, I think they're going to have a pretty decent crowd. Maybe they'll get back into the conversation uh, of that class of uh, schools and programs who brag about how many people they have at spring games and argue <laughs> about who gives a shit more. So, My guess is half the seats are full. So 32,000 people are there. 
It, that would be it a ton, net. man. You talk about, I mean, they, like I, I'm not exaggerating. There weren't 3,200 and maybe not 320 at the one a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And that that will justify, before a game's even played, the spring game attendance, I, I hope people realize how different it is. And there's not many people that don't think that the right move was made. But for the people that still are holding on to that idea, I got an email from one kind of recently. And, like, you still see the occasional person on Twitter or message boards or whatever that say he got a raw deal. I mean, there are national pundits that say the same shit, that that Matt Luke didn't get a fair shake. Gene Chizik, I think, on the SEC Network most recently was talking about how it wasn't fair and all this crap. Um, That will, before they ever play a game, the amount of people that show up to watch the spring game will be a justification for that move. Because... There will be more people at the spring game than there were at more than one actual football game in 2019. It, as we were talking about yesterday, it is a business. And even if maybe Matt Luke was going to end up winning like five years from now, financially, it would have been a disaster. They couldn't afford not to make a change. And you will see when there are, I mean, a hundred times more people at the spring game than there would have been justifies the decision that they made. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the same thing when he got hired. It was the scene in the pavilion. It was season tickets going back up, donations, you know, what have you, everything we've been through before. Yeah, I mean, that's why the move was made. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously other reasons to it, but yeah, sure, excitement, interest. I mean, last year's spring game really was just kind of an eerie sight. Um, There's nobody there. I mean, exactly. but there, were, there was nobody there at, at, at games. I mean, you had a ranked California team come to Oxford, and the stadium was not half full. And people, like, I, I got blowback on that. Oh, yes, it was. You have to understand really what half full means. That means one out of every two seats has to have a body in it. And the sections that had people in them were not half full. And so when you look at that and then look at the sections that had nobody in them around the stadium, you can't get me to 32,000 people. And which game is this? Cal. Yeah, I don't remember that crowd size, but it definitely was not full. That was the golf tournament weekend. That was the golf tournament weekend. I mean, it was a ranked Pac-12 team. And Ole Miss still had an easy path to a bowl game at that moment. And, I mean, you, you should – like, watching on TV, you could see the reflection off the bleachers. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable how few people were there for that kind of a game. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's kind of – you'll kind of see a glimpse of that, like you said, at the spring game. As far as – I don't know what people's deal with – oh, wait, no, I'm skipping up a couple – Here's where completely shifting gears here. Is it possible that technology aided sign stealing could find its way into college baseball? Should we pay closer attention to the whistler? I like where your head is at, man, but I, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily possible. Cause in SEC play you're radioing your signs in to the catcher with a walkie talkie. And yeah, I guess that wouldn't technically stop sign stealing and all of that. I just don't think the technology's in place to do it in college. Like where the hell I mean if you if you've ever been in Ole Miss's dugout or the visiting dugout, like where the hell are you going to stick a TV monitor and have people relay signals to that? I, I just, I guess I wouldn't rule it out completely, but I, I don't think it's that, like, 
one, I don't think college baseball teams are going to ever be that elaborate. And two, I just don't think it's feasible. That and there's fewer people in the stands to drown out the signal noise. Unless you're using the buzzers, but like you can't bang on trash cans in college baseball stadiums because everybody will hear it. Yeah, I guess that's true too. But I honestly, on that note though, like I never noticed, like watching an Astros game or something like that, I never noticed the, uh, what am I trying to say here? Oh, the, the trash cans after the, until after the fact. But when they were playing video of it after the fact, you could definitely notice it. Like, it's almost as if it was hidden because you're thinking it's just something in the stadium. Like, you know yeah, what I that's mean? my point, is that you, th- there are so many more people, and so that kind of noise happens more. But since there's only – and with the exception being Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas and stuff, but even then, like, when they have to play a Thursday night game, there's not but three, two, 3,000 people at the games on the Thursday night start series, at least in the stadium itself. There are a lot of empty seats just because people still have work and stuff the next day and whatnot. But you could I don't think you could get away with that as much because there's less ambient noise around to where you could just or like somebody thinking, Oh man, that that was weird. And then just dismissing it. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I don't think college baseball teams ever maybe I'm selling them short. I just don't think they'd ever be that elaborate anyway to come up with a scheme like that because that's the way what was so shocking about this is like, yeah, their team's probably doing similar things in major league baseball, but this was a really, really elaborate plot. And did like you see I, that Kershaw in game five of the twenty seventeen World Series did not get an Astro to swing and miss at a single breaking ball? No, but I mean that also like like now that you say that, it's not like I guess shocking to me if that makes sense. But, but think no. about that. He did not get a single Astro to swing and miss at a breaking ball through fifty-one of them. Not a single one was a swing and miss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know how you justify that. Like, I mean, and Kershaw got ripped apart for that performance, and now it's like, well, shit, man. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of like, it's one of those things where when you question the impact that had or did it really matter that much, and then you look at something like that, and it's like, yeah, of of course it did. I mean, come on. So, no, I don't think that'll happen in a college baseball, though if you want to look into the Whistler and hopefully prosecute him and keep him away from Hoover this year, I am also all for that because that guy is the absolute worst. Just what a selfish asshole. Let's see. Does Ole Miss have enough talent to make it to Omaha? Uh, yes, I actually think they do. Do they have experience? Enough arm experience? talent is what he's asking. Arm talent. Oh, excuse me. He said arm talent? I missed a word there. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, to talk about rotation-wise, you've got your, you know, your Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, you're returning two of your three starters from the weekend a year ago. Both appear to be better in making a jump, particularly Hoagland. I know it's early. I know it's two starts, but Hoagland – Throwing a slider now, throwing his other pitches with more confidence and not really using. And his fastball is different. It's got more life on it. I think he's spinning it more. Like, it's not as flat as it was last year. He just overall looks like a more polished, well-rounded pitcher. Uh, Derek Diamond has looked the part on Sundays. As far I guess where his question is probably, like, I guess steering us is towards the bullpen. And if there's enough back there. I think so. I mean, they would have really loved to Tyler Myers, but Austin Miller has looked as good as advertised and as good as he did a year ago. I like if the, what they have in Braden Forsythe, that they can get him to throw strikes. Max Chofi has pitched pretty well, and if you can get a couple of these younger kids, 
a Jackson Kimbrell, a left-handed option out of the bullpen, to come along a Benjamin a Benji Nelson or excuse me, I think his name is Ben. I can't remember if he changed his name from Ben to Benji or vice versa. Something's up with the name changes in baseball. Point being, a couple of those younger guys to come along. I do think they have enough. Maybe they're a little thin on the back end of the bullpen, maybe, but I think it's I think it's enough. I, I think if this team doesn't reach like whatever its goals are, and I'm not saying it's it's it. I was about to say its potential was going to Omaha. I'm not sure that's the case. I think it would be more because of the hitting than the pitching. Uh, if you want to go further off in the weeds on this, next year, holy cow! I I I am I am ready to make an argument that next year will be Mike Bianco's best team he's had at Ole Miss, better than 06 and 09. And I I'm not a hundred percent sure it's it's that close. Like. Next year will be a full-on blue, like, unless injury or transfer, which I don't see either. I mean, either one of those happening. Uh, obviously, don't ever wish injury on a kid. But like, Albari injury or something, I, I'm not sure it's close. This team will be a full-on national title contender next year. You return all three dudes in the rotation. You've got this number two class going into its sophomore year. You know, it's Dunhurst. You maybe you get like I, I'm thinking you still get. Baker Leatherwood, someone back for a senior, one of those Juca guys. Like I, I, I think next year might be Mike's best team ever, uh, and it's going to be because Ooh, of the pitching staff. Okay. I mean, you return. Think about what they returned. You return the full Rican rotation. It's this highly touted class, his second year in the program. I mean, it's 2018 for that Kessinger class. Basically, was kind of their peak. Like, I, where I, I don't I mean spot the weakness. I mean, it, it's it's that team is going to be nasty. And I okay, I'm I'm with you. I that, I mean the logic is is fully sound there. That's uh, um, they just need to find a way to make it to freaking Omaha again. Yeah, I mean I, I get I get that sort of hot take ish because it's so far off. But man, you look on paper at what you could have coming back from that team next year, and obviously you've got to figure out the draft with your incoming recruiting class and who goes and who comes back junior senior wise here obviously probably not having anthony servidio probably not having tyler keenan i don't really make what know what to make of the uh, juco guys but i mean that's shot sophomore year dunhurst sophomore year if you can get baker or leatherwood to come back one of the two but for the argument let's just say you get both because i don't know pro prospect wise I, I just don't know on leatherwood don't really know on baker like i mean it, that to me, I I don't know. I mean, you've got Kevin Graham's junior year. I mean, that team is that team is going to be sick. Well, the one they've got right now might be pretty sick too. Yeah, they they they're going to be better than I gave them credit for already. I don't know if they'll host a regional. I don't know if they'll make it to a super this year. But uh, if you want a hot take, you can mark it down now. That team next year is going to be stupid loaded. Anyway, that's not what he asked, but uh, I guess just parlaying off into that i don't know what people's deal with 40 times is could you beat darren Ravel in a 40 time yeah absolutely i saw a video of his running form it's it's horrible oh god bless that guy he's very much himself which i admire but sometimes you just probably should be less of yourself online well people that are unapologetically themselves you can admire it but you don't have to like it yeah <laughs> that's a good point like that, which is he is. He's a nerd, and he reps his brand. Good for him. He's carved out a niche and a nice life for him, and a nice industry, a nice job, industry, whatever you want to call it. But uh, he, uh, not a big fan of his content all the time. His tweets are insufferable. Like, but yes, I do think I could beat Ravel in a forty. Jumping forward, go to Waffle House orders. 
I don't know. I usually just get a waffle and a hash brown uh, covered. Yeah, it's an all-star special, but I mix up, uh, you know, how, how I get everything. But that's always the go-to. Fair enough. Let's see. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Have you changed your iPhone wallpaper yet? Or are you waiting for a better opportunity? I'm not going to disclose what my phone wallpaper is right now. Uh, sort of kind of an inside joke. Also, not really. You could get it pretty easily. But, uh, yeah, I'll wait for a better opportunity. Uh, if one comes up, I will change my phone background. The, the last one we have on Twitter is, Do the Titans land Tom Brady? I don't know where else makes sense. I tried to make the case yesterday for Dallas on the radio, if any of you listened to the radio show as well. That was more me wanting it to happen because I think it'd be fascinating. But in terms of things that just make absolute sense, where else makes sense other than the Tennessee Titans? I can't believe I'm saying that. No, but you're exactly right. It's, a, it's an absolute no-brainer to me. There is not a better option than that for him. Offensive line, running back, interesting, like, okay, weapons, not great, but you could you could change that in free agency. Like, it's not bad. Like, you're really just kind of tweaking and fine-tuning. Uh, you want to bet a, uh, Tom Brady fit, uh, would have rather had A.J. Brown than Nikhil Harry this year? I'm going to say yes. Like, I, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, where else makes sense? Well, you're going to go play Patrick Mahomes twice a year with the Raiders or the Chiefs? You're going to go... I just I, I I'm not knocking him, but why in the world would he go to Tampa Bay? Like just candy ass uniforms, like weird city. I just don't see that. Where else is he gonna go? He he's not going to Tampa. Um, maybe is he Los Angeles tries to enter the fold and and have a splash while they open their new stadium as the second fiddle in that city. I, I mean, they could put together an offer package that would be pretty good. But man, I don't think Brady's driven by money. People keep talking about the. Well, the Raiders are going to offer him a two-year, $60 million deal, and he just can't ignore that. But I mean, maybe he doesn't want to take a team-friendly deal anymore like he's done with New England, and they've still failed to give him adequate weapons around him to, to win another Super Bowl. I know he did a couple years ago, but you get my point. Maybe he's done taking a team-friendly deal, but I still don't, I don't see this move as a money grab. I see it as him wanting to prove that he can do it somewhere else, that he is not just a system quarterback, that he's not just the Patriots' Tom Brady. Because if he goes to Tennessee and wins the Super Bowl, it's undisputed. He's the greatest quarterback to ever live. It's done. It's, it, there will never be a debate again. It's over if he goes to anywhere else and wins another Super Bowl. I think that's what's the driving force here, not just uh, a big money what it is. But the, in terms of you talk about the money grab, it's not a money – money matters here, but it's not the dollar amount. And I know that doesn't seem to make any sense, but to your point, he's not going because he wants to cash two more years of checks. He's tired – like the money to him in terms of taking the home down discount in in New England is principal. It's like I've gone all these years taking a home down discount. You guys still haven't gotten me weapons. Oh, and by the way, uh, the, your coach tried to get rid of me two years ago. Like it's more of that type of thing. To where, like, the money's more of a slight than it is a dollar amount. Dude, obviously, doesn't need money, but it's going to, like, you're going to make, you're going to want me to take a discount again. You're not going to get me weapons, and you're not going to give me the second year or whatever it is, or third year, or whatever it is he wants. Like, that to me is what it is in terms of money. So, yep. that makes yeah, perfect I mean, sense. I, and, and Tennessee is the man, and I hope it happens too. I mean, you talk about storylines. Holy shit. That would be just awesome if you were to go there because I, I mean, if Tom Brady goes to the Titans, 
and I don't know how much, I mean, we had this conversation too. I don't know how much better he is than, than Tannehill as far as like current skills, but the playoff experience is one that you can't turn your nose up at at all, uh, which probably separates them. But Tom Brady on the Titans, and if the Titans are able to secure, what is it, the 29 guys that are some kind of free agent this offseason, um, if they are able to pull that off, are they the favorite going into 2020? Oh, I, I, it's, it would, to me, it still have to be Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, but it would be one, and then the Titans would be two, right? Because I, I mean, I, I would if I if yeah. you gave me a hundred bucks, I would bet on the Chiefs to repeat, even though that doesn't really happen all that often. Um, you, you can't, as you said, and just you can't say no to Patrick Mahomes right now in in, in that team the way they're playing. But um, I think I mean, who else would you consider to be second? as the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl other than the Chiefs? I mean, the Titans would need to retool their defense some. It's just like they're they're, – Yeah, they would be good. But the thing is, it's not like as ridiculous as this sounds. It's not that much of an upgrade at quarterback at this rate. Obviously, the playoff experience intangibles, things like that. But, I mean, you still have San Francisco's really good. New Orleans is still really, really good. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily really I buy would bet the Green on the Bay. Titans over the Saints right now, though. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're talking, but I mean, he's got Deshaun Watson in his division too, and like, yeah, yeah. Bill O'Brien is the only person that can hold Deshaun Watson back. But like, I don't know. I just struggle to like. They would be good, and they would definitely be a playoff contender. But it's just maybe it's just me just having a hard time accepting the Titans as Super Bowl favorites. But like. I don't know. One of them. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely one of the three or four, I would say, which is a wild place to be. I mean, how they're coming off an AFC title game. How do you handle Derrick Henry next year? Because, I mean, do you care about winning 14 regular season games and giving him 30 carries per game, or do you protect him throughout the season and then unleash him in the playoffs? They did a little bit of that last year. Like he could, if he really needed to, he could have played in that game against the Saints that didn't end up really mattering at all. And he, I can't remember if he did play Week 17 against the Chiefs when the playoff berth was on the line. I think he did. Like they protected him some, but yeah, I mean, I think you would definitely have to kind of save him a little bit for the playoffs and not run him ragged. But at the same time, like Brady needs a bunch of help around him. He could definitely use a. a a, a solid running back in a solid running game, as you saw evidence of that this year. So I don't know. That would be wild, though. I, I would be uh, that would be probably one of the more fun seasons of Titans football that I can ever remember. So that would uh, that would be pretty epic. Um, let's see. Last one we have mailbag wise today. Then we'll get into a couple hoops things. Probably get out of here. Question for today: Do you think Tomu has a realistic chance of making an NFL roster if he continues to play well in the XFL? Yes, I do. I I think he has a legit chance to make an NFL roster. I just don't think a ton was like he wasn't a highly touted recruit. He played at Ole Miss for two years. Like he had a chance with the Texans. I was surprised he didn't stick on the NFL roster the first time. To be honest. I think he's got enough arm talent. I think if he continues to play well and they're in contention and stuff, I think he'll get a, another crack at it. I think he's talented enough. I, think, I mean, he's got a good enough arm. The feet are good. He's a smart kid. Like, I, I, I definitely see it. Yeah. I, I mean, the likelihood of him, him ever becoming a starter, I know that wasn't the question, is uh, very slim. But if you told me that guy was a backup in the NFL for the next 10 years, I would buy that completely. 
Yeah, I would definitely too. And I think it's certainly possible if you continue to play well. I keep bringing it's a hell of a life too, by the way. That's <laughs> a couple million yeah, bucks absolutely. a year for 10 years. Yeah, and just being in the NFL, imagine it'd be pretty kick-ass. But yeah, I I mean, I keep using the Garrett Gilbert example. He tore up the ex, in the AAF with the Orlando Apollos through six, seven games, however many it was they played, and turned that into be Baker Mayfield's backup. Like, I mean, it's it's definitely happening. And like, you can't tell me, Tom, if he continues to play this clip, isn't one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the, in, you know, in the world in terms of like, like there's definitely backups in the NFL that are worse than Jordan Tom, I think. So I think well, it's there's probably a starter or two that's worse than him. Yeah, I guess that's fair as well. So yeah, I definitely think that is certainly possible. So uh, good for him. He's been interesting. He's been enjoyable to watch. He's been an interesting watch. I like the XFL. Uh, let's. That was all the questions we had. Let's get into some base or basketball and then get out of here. <laughs> Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt this weekend uh, at home. Their final two home games of the season before they travel to state next weekend to end the regular season. So they go Vandy, Missouri, and then at state to end the regular season. I don't really know what I got on this one. They're just playing out the string. Like, Tyree gets to suit up in that gym two more times. Like, I, I, I don't really have much else. This team really is what they are. Vanderbilt stinks. You probably don't want to lose to them. But outside of that, like, I don't have much for this matchup. I don't either. I mean, the season's effectively over. There won't be a whole lot of a lot of people there. Um, it's just try to close strong, reset, and um, get ready for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an, as we kind of we hit. We don't have to go over this again because we hit it on it on Wednesday show with the roster attrition uh, that could potentially be ahead and what it looks like next year, but. Again, I mean, this, this, these struggles this year definitely set up an interesting dynamic going into year three. And I'm not necessarily saying, I'm not saying Kermit Davis's job on the line or anything ridiculous like that. I'm just saying, like, in terms of like all the momentum and capital he garnered by taking that ragtag bunch to the NCAA tournament a year ago, it's probably going to be looked at differently if they struggle again next year. Cause then it's, it's once he gets his guys in there, because I mean, that was very much in, Andy Kennedy team last year and like spoiler alert if they'd have used net instead of RPI when AK was coaching the whole time AK would have made the tournament two or three more times and would probably still be here so yep it, it creates an interesting dynamic going into next year because like I said on Wednesday you at least need to be a bubble team going into like going into the year next year and be in the hunt because if you struggle again people are going to kind of probably like fairly unfairly whatever look at that first year as a fluke and that would really create an interesting dynamic it's just like people have bought into basketball here to some degree like the stands are full a bunch the student section's full if you struggle again next year i think you're going to lose a decent bit of that um in a way it's probably also already not lost but balancing out a little bit yeah, I mean, when the team's bad, there's going to be fewer people at the games. But largely, I mean, they they were not a good team that night. Auburn came to town, and, like, that was a raucous environment, a packed student section. Like, people were at the game, things like that. But, sure, when they sting, well, like— because they let- made it an event. I mean, that that's the thing that that arena and w- with the way the student section is— I know people are really pissed, uh, some people anyway, about the camera angle. And it's really bad. Uh, it's way too high. And it's facing the wrong direction. 
And the idea that the SEC made them put it that way, I just I don't buy. I think that's crap because Auburn didn't have to do it that way. Um, I, I just, you know, whatever. It, it was a mistake. They screwed up. I understand that. But as far as people actually going to the game and the, the way the student section is, basketball is like a cool thing to do there now. And I, I mean, back when the Tad Pad was still a thing, uh, like when I was a student, if you got to the basketball game like at 30 minutes till tip, you were sitting on the very back row of the damn arena. Here, if you're a student and you show up 30 minutes before tip, your worst seat is five rows back. Yeah, they so did the student section thing a lot better. Yeah, that's it's done right. It, the arena's nice. It, it's a place that that you want to go to, not so much regardless of the product on the court, but at least it is not another reason to get you to not show up. Like, Tad Smith was so dated and terrible that even when the team was okay, you're like, God, do I really want to go and drive two hours from Jackson to sit in this shithole for three hours? Like, not a chance. At least now there's something that's bringing you, it's just a more enjoyable three hours to spend your time, and therefore they will be more immune to lacking attendance because of that, at least for now. Yeah, I agree. But again, got to win next year. I mean, like, yep. and re- replacing Tyree is going to be hard. Like, I mean, I think people took for granted the amount of scoring Ole Miss had a year ago with Terrence Davis, who is obviously a rotation player in the NBA now, and then Bree and Tyree. Like, that's not easy to replace. Like, I mean, if, if you look at, I mean, the way this team was when Tyree was off the floor at times this year, like, putting the ball in the basket is not a given, and replacing that kind of scoring is not easy. And that was honestly, for all of AK's flaws, that was one of the things he could go do, is he could go find a bucket getter. Like, he could go find someone, for the most part, that could go get you a basket at any time. And I don't know who they have on that team. That, that You keep hearing how Jarkel Joyner is doing in practice, and he can fill it up and all that. And I not necessarily don't believe that, but you got to see it first. And you knew coming into this year, you thought you were going to have two guards that could do that. It turned out to really only be one, but you know he's gone now, too, so... What did this team look like offensively? They're going to look different, but can they score? I am, uh, I'm going to be fascinated by next basketball season. But uh, as, as far as this game, Vanderbilt sucks. They sh- Ole Miss should win this game. Uh, aside from Jerry Stackhouse's suit and what kind of suit he's wearing in terms of the three-piece, I don't have a ton of interest in this game. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't, I, I don't, know, I don't know if there's much else I can say about it. Yeah, there's really not much else you can say. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's almost over, mercifully, mercifully. And uh, then all the focus can be paid on baseball. And uh, that'll be nice because talking about a team that isn't very good is not very fun. So uh, glad it's almost over. So we've got you got that this weekend. Obviously, you have the three games that they'll miss. They are all early games, if I am not mistaken. You got the eleven o'clock game today, which obviously by the time most of you listening to this, it either is happening or has happened. But I'll have the other two times for you real quick, just to make sure. I think it's ten on Sunday. Yeah, three thirty tomorrow afternoon, and then ten a.m. on Sunday, as you just hit on. Uh, so, interesting weekend. The, the back end of this series is going to be more interesting to me. How does Derek Diamond do against the quality Indiana lineup, and how does Gunnar Hoagland do in what is really the marquee game of the weekend of that tournament, Ole Miss and ECU on Saturday? I'm fascinated to see what it looks like. Diamond's been really good. He's looked the part of a really good Sunday starter. 
you know, honestly, as weird as it sounds, his mistakes have been relatively harmless. The mistakes he's given up as a starter have been three solo home runs. And you can live with that. He's not walking a ton of dudes. He's not making a ton of mistakes. And the mistakes he does make, like he left a breaking ball up the other day, the kid hit it over the fence. It, it didn't compound. There's no traffic on the base pass. He's He's been every bit as good as advertised. He looks really poised. He's a smart kid. Uh, I, I've, I think most people know his story by now, but he was a Stanford commit that had a 4-0 in high school GPA, was committed for a year, and then just got a call from admissions one day and was like, hey, actually, you didn't get into school. So uh, then he just started taking visits elsewhere. But smart kid, really put together. I, I To me, that's a difference maker on this team. If Hoagland takes the jump that most people think he's – or I say most people – that he appears to be taking in terms of just – his pitch mix, more confidence as a starter, and then you have Diamond on Sunday, that team's going to be a real SOB even if they don't have like a top-shelf arm town on Friday as good as Nikhazy is. Trying to get through that team three times is going to be tough. Like, like they, they're going to be in all three games. Like To me, going into an SEC weekend series, they're going to feel pretty good about their chances on Saturday and Sunday, and obviously you don't really have it. Like There's no slub on the mound on Friday either. It's just Nikhazy not exactly the same like arm talent as some of these kids. But if you can get quality performances from Diamond and and Hoagland that often, like as, as like if you take what they've done the first two weekends and you plug it into every SEC weekend, they are going to be a tough out. Uh, if you pair that with a lineup, excuse me, um, you pair that with a lineup that doesn't really have any any breaks in it. I mean, there there's a couple depending on on who they roll out there on a given day, but. I mean, you've got like six or seven dudes in that lineup that that will go yard on a mistake pitch. A bunch of guys that are that are hitting for average right now, and so you pair the the upgrade in pitching, or maybe not the upgrade, but the um, exceeding of the expectations in the early going on the the starting rotation, and pair that with a batting lineup that doesn't give you any breaks. And shit, you got a pretty good baseball team. Yeah, they have, and so it'll be interesting to see this weekend what they just kind of do against two more quality opponents. Uh, no, I guess no, no, no disrespect to High Point, but I'm really more interested on the back end of this weekend and what that looks like. But uh, unless you got anything else, that's pretty much all I've got for today. That's it for me, man. Well, I would remind you one more time: go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, just go ahead and thank. If you go today or tomorrow, just go ahead and thank him in advance for the money he made you on the XFL this weekend. Go listen to Wednesday show to get Greg's XFL picks. I'll be tracking those throughout the weekend. If he goes, if he goes four and zero, we're going to have to have some kind of uh, some kind of uh, party award something. I, I don't know, but anyway, go see him University Avenue across from Kroger. LB's uh, the best place in Mississippi to get meat by far. So we'll be back at it on Monday. Well, I'm sure we'll have football to, or excuse me, basketball to talk about, some baseball, and hope, uh, hopefully an interesting weekend of sports. But, uh, Borky, I'll see you this afternoon. All right, man. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.